You're listening to 5FM Extra Loud Mornings. Wake it up. 7am to 10am. 5FM. As we do every Sunday, we invest in ourselves. It's all about self-care. And today we are talking about sleep, sleep disorders, sleep hygiene, you name it. If it involves sleep, that's what we're going to be touching on. All right, joining us today, we are so lucky to have a neurologist from Santon um, dealing with sleep disorders, uh, Dr. Kevin Rossman. Thanks so much for, for taking the time to have a chat to us. Welcome, and thanks for inviting me. Um, Dr. Rossman, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. I'm so overwhelmed with with questions and queries, and especially as somebody who's who's interested in the science of it, but also just wants answers. And you probably get a lot of people that feel very similar. It's a very emotional thing when you don't get enough sleep. So maybe let's start from the top. What exactly um, is the right amount of sleep? Because I've heard it's seven hours, eight hours. Does it depend on who you are? Some people can have four hours. Some people need 21. Well, you shouldn't need 21 when you've got a problem. <laughs> but um, the average for an adult is probably between seven and eight. Mm-hmm. But you get normal short sleepers and normal long sleepers. Okay. So the mark of how much you need is how much the, you need to make you feel good the next day. And um, a good way of assessing this is when, when you're on holiday, uh, you just see how much you would naturally get, that's provided you don't have some other sleep problem, and how much you, you feel good on. Mm. Uh, people who tend to cut down to six hours because of pressure or work usually don't, aren't getting enough. Uh, what makes sleep so important for our bodies? Well, sleep controls everything, quite literally everything. Um, if you keep a dog awake, it'll die quicker than if you don't feed it. It's that important. Mm. Uh, sleep will control memory. Uh, memory gets consolidated during sleep. Sleep has a very important forgetting function. You need to forget things in order not to fill the, the hard drive. We don't remember, and quite correctly, so how we slept two Wednesdays ago. Yeah. Um, sleep uh, controls all the hormones. Um, if you don't have a good night's sleep the next morning, your, your sugar will go up. Um, it controls, uh, in, in children, it has to do with bone formation. Bone formation happens in children while we're sleeping. Um, immunity, if you don't get proper sleep, your the, the uh, chemicals in the body that control pain increase. So if you've got a pain condition, that is going to worsen during sleep. So quite literally everything. Wow. Sleep is a very, very important function of survival. If you think of it, by the time you're 30, you've slept for 10 years. Hmm. Um, that's got to be important. I mean, you say that, but we're we're living in an age now where people say like, "Oh, while while you're sleeping, we're grinding." Almost like if you're sleeping, you're weak. But in actual fact, if you're getting more sleep, you're actually becoming stronger, not only physically but emotionally and and physiologically from the hormonal and immunity aspect as well. Absolutely right. You see, when we fall asleep, the brain doesn't fall asleep in one go; it falls asleep in bits. And the first bit that falls asleep is at the frontal part of the brain, and that has to do with problem solving, and that's why we're so bad at it at night, and so much better in the morning. So people who think they can push through and solve the whole world, the world's problems at night are really fooling themselves. Wow. They're going to do it in half the time and much better tomorrow morning. There comes a time when the brain just isn't functioning properly, yeah. and um, then you're flogging a dead horse. You're just not going to get yeah. anywhere with it. 
Um, in, your, in your practice at the moment, what would you say is the number one reason that people struggle to sleep? Um, at the moment, in the middle of COVID, it's probably anxiety. Mm. Um, anxiety will keep us awake better than anything else. It has an important survival function, obviously. If the saber-toothed tiger is outside your cave, you better be awake. But um, you, there's a price to pay for that, obviously. Mm. So, yes, at the moment, anxiety is probably way number one. Um, then, it's, after that, it's bad sleep habits, and I'm forgetting. I, I'm expecting this to continue a long way after COVID has settled, because what you have is something that precipitates the problem, such as the anxiety that we're all facing now. And then you have factors that keep it going, so that's bad habits and that kind of thing. So. That, that then keeps the whole thing going. So the original trigger is long gone, mm. but other factors keep us keep us in the in the bad pattern. Uh, sleep hygiene is a term that I've heard of before, and when you say good habits, I imagine sleep hygiene kind of fits together with that. Can you explain what good sleep habits are, or what good sleep hygiene is? Yeah, the first thing is to keep your hours regular. The body runs on. A number of 24-hour cycles. So blood pressure varies over 24 hours, pulse, body temperature, all hormones, etc., etc. And we need to keep that regular. If you start shifting it, so for example, if you tend generally go to bed at 10 and then some one night at 11 or one night at 9, what is happening is that one day you're on South African time, the next day on Mauritius time, and the day after that on St. Helena time, mm. and you're going to find yourself being constantly uh, uh, jet-lagged. Mm. It takes about a day to settle one hour's time change. So that's the first thing. The regularity of going to bed, regularity of getting up. Obviously, you want your sleep environment to be conducive to sleep. So you want it dark enough, quiet enough, cool enough, secure enough. Um, You don't want your room to be too hot Mm. because we sleep better in cooler weather. Winding down towards sleep is important. You know, in the morning when we wake up, it takes about an hour for the brain to boot itself up. Uh, the first hour, we don't function completely well. And it takes about an hour in the evening to boot down. So we need to give it that time. You can't go from highly alert, uh, looking at work and so on, straight into sleep. It's just not going to work. You need a wind-down phase. And that is usually your bedtime routine, put out the cat, have your bath, brush your teeth, that sort of thing. And that just allows the brain then to wind down. And in essence, that's really what it's all about. Getting into bright light in the morning is also very, very useful because when we're exposed to bright light, and indoor lighting isn't bright enough, we're talking about shade of a tree type of lighting, mm-hmm. that switches off the production of a chemical in the body called melatonin. When the light dims towards the end of the day, melatonin production increases, and that's what puts us to sleep a few hours later. Now, most of us have plenty of our own. We don't have to pay money for it. But in the evening, dim blue light will also suppress the melatonin. And dim wow. blue light, we tend to get, you know, we tend to get on the, in the electronics, yeah. on our, our uh, cell phones and things. I think what is equally important is what we're doing on those electronics. So if you're sitting on your uh, uh, media and texting with friends who are being nasty to you and so on, that is also going to keep you awake because it's going to wind you up. Yeah. So there's a time when one actually needs to switch the blessed thing off. (laughs) 
<laughs> Same thing about watching TV. TV is fine, but you don't want to watch a program where there are 10 dead bodies in each episode. You want to wind down, not wind up last thing at night. Mm. So watch those things, but watch them earlier. Exercise last thing at night is not a good idea because it's going to wake you up and get your adrenaline running. You need to exercise, but again, there needs to be time to wind down after the exercise. People use alcohol as as a nightcap. Mm. Bad idea, because although alcohol sedates initially, it also wakes you a few hours later. Now, I'm oh. quite sure none of your listeners have ever overindulged in alcohol. Never, absolutely never, absolutely never. never. But um, if they know someone who has, they will have been told that a few hours later yeah. they actually wake up feeling terrible in the middle of the night. Yeah, and that's what alcohol does. So yes, have your have your glass of wine. But there needs to be time to get it out of your body before you actually get into bed. So those are pretty much the basics. Something that maybe some people struggle with is knowing when you actually have a sleep disorder and when maybe your your sleep health or your sleep routine is not um, not optimal and that's maybe why you're not sleeping. How can you tell if somebody has uh, insomnia um, or if they just maybe pumped full of caffeine, they just exercise, they, they spend too much time on on screen, their um, adrenaline is, is pumping because they were watching action movies all night. How can you tell when it's just bad sleep hygiene versus um, an actual sleep disorder? Well, it's tricky, which is fortunate because that's why I've got a job still. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are probably around 80 different sleep disorders. Hmm. So we've just been talking about the insomnia, but they can all present as an insomnia. And um, that, that's what makes it tricky. One of the more interesting ones, well, one of the more common ones, let's say, are the, are the group of breathing disorders. Hmm. And um, the one that's best known is, is sleep apnea, apnea yeah. the classical uh, obese middle-aged male who snores. But there are other breathing disorders that you get, for example, in young skinny females who don't snore. Kids have them. So what happens with a kid typically? Children should never snore, full stop. And um, if their sleep is being disrupted, then the next day they don't feel tired, they start bouncing off the walls. Then they get told they've got uh, ADHD. Wow. And they get put onto Ritalin, which of course messes up the sleep that night again. Um, teenagers have a problem called uh, delayed sleep phase syndrome where their reaction, we spoke about melatonin earlier, is delayed. So although they get that reaction, they respond to it only much later. So they only go to bed at 12 or 1 o'clock and they drive their parents mad and then they sleep till 1 in the, front the next day. Now, the problem with them, of course, is when you get them up in the morning to go to school, they, it's like you and me getting up at 2 a.m. and trying to study. It doesn't work. Mm. So they need, the schools need to adapt. And some of them are starting to do that, starting a little bit later, helps the, the teenage kids. So they're all, all this kind of thing. But the, the hallmark of whether you've got a sleep problem is how you're functioning the next day. The problem is that if you've had one a problem for 10 or 20 years, which many people have, then we lose the concept of what is normal. Mm-hmm. And that is when, when we sort it out, then it's, oh my goodness, is this how you're supposed to feel in the morning? Yeah. So it, it's all the hallmark of how you function the following day. And if you're functioning fine, then that's great, providing you know what fine is. So if you feel tired every time you wake up, is that, I mean, 
do I then go to you and say, okay, like give, give me medicine to make me sleep? How do you fix it if, if you're not able to fall asleep besides medication or is it just medication? No, no. We prefer not to use medication if at all possible. Okay. Um, the first-line treatment is called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Wow. And what we really do there is just retrain the body to sleep at the right time. You know, because sleep is so important, it's so deeply ingrained in us, if we just stop mucking it up, it happens. Mm-hmm. And that is why this kind of technique works so well. Um, well over probably 60% to 90% sometimes success rate, and it just takes a few weeks, irrespective of how long the problem's been there. So that's for the usual chronic insomnia. Um, if people have uh, an immediate thing, a death in the family or something, they can't sleep, then sleeping pills are fine for a few days. The problem with sleeping pills is that you, the body very rapidly becomes used to this stuff, and then you start needing bigger and bigger doses. And then if you stop them, you can get a very, very severe withdrawal insomnia. Wow. So you don't want to go that way. And also, particularly as we get older, sleeping pills can cause uh, memory problems the next day. And in older people, they can lead to falling. And then they break bones. So mm-hmm. we, we don't want medication as far as possible. Absolutely, some people need that. People who've got a severe anxiety disorder or depression or whatever need something for that underlying condition but we prefer not to use that if at all possible. Doc, what happens with people who can fall asleep but constantly wake up numerous times throughout the night or it's, it's not a deep sleep? They, they feel like they've just, like, like they feel like their brain is awake and they're conscious of everything happening around them and then they wake up feeling exhausted. So they just don't get into that next cycle. Okay, that's an interesting question because there are a few things going on there. First of all, when we sleep, we do it in one to one and a half hour cycles. So we go through all the stages of sleep in about one and a half hours. Everyone is waking roughly every hour and a half, every night. They just don't remember it. And the reason why not is because when we fall asleep, we lose memory for the previous two to three minutes. So people wake, roll over, go back to sleep, and they'll tell you, oh, I slept through, no, they didn't, and I can prove it. So the fact of waking is not the issue. The issue is, number one, can you get back to sleep? And it's considered normal to take up to about 20 minutes or so to fall asleep again. And number two, how are you functioning the next day? And again, if you're functioning well, then whatever you're doing overnight is fine. Um, Some people are aware of what's going on around them the whole night. Now, a couple of words there. First of all, we have very poor perception for time while we're sleeping. So if you look at your clock and it's two and you look away and you look back and it's three, the time has disappeared, you've probably slept. Well, that's the one reassuring factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a disorder that keeps you in a very light sleep, like the breathing disorders that we mentioned previously. And then, obviously, we've got to have a look at that. Waking, feeling a bit fuzzy, is in itself not an issue, providing the fuzziness goes away after a while. Um, that is called sleep inertia. And it, it, can, it takes a while for the whole brain to wake up. You know, as we go to sleep in, in bits, so the brain wakes in bits. And then you get people who, because the brain doesn't sleep all at the same time, the bit of the brain that has to do with hearing, for example, may not be asleep while the rest of the brain might be. And these people might well be aware of what's going on around them, even though we can show electronically that they're actually sleeping. It's not not common. It's called paradoxical sleep. 
And it's one of the reasons why these things happen during anesthetic, for example, where the person who's had the anesthetic will tell you all the dirty jokes that the surgeon was telling, but in fact, they they were locked out um, because the brain doesn't switch off in one go. It, it switches off in segments. That's what allows us to sleepwalk. So the motor area, the bit that controls the arms and legs, and the vision can be functioning, but the rest of the brain can be sleeping. So we can walk around and open doors and do things because those bits are actually working. We're not aware of it because the rest is sleeping. It's it's fascinating to me how how sleep actually works. Like you're there, but you're not there, and your that's body can it. do things without you actually being conscious of it. That's it's actually terrifying to me. That's actually yeah. terrifying, yeah. Uh, Doc. I think that's that sort of wraps up where where we wanted to get with this today. Uh, if somebody Lovely. has issues, who would you suggest they see? May, is it is it a neurologist? Is it a GP? Um, what would you uh, suggest people people do if they think that they have some sort of sleep disorder or sleep issues? Look, the the problem is that a lot of the training is a little bit iffy at the moment. So I think the first port of call would be a neurologist, and um, they should be able to, if they can't deal with it directly, then they should be able to direct people to someone who knows more about it. Brilliant. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Um, Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and and yeah, many, many hours of lovely, blissful sleep for you. (laughs) Thank you, and you too. (laughs) That's Dr. Kevin Rossman, neurologist in Santon, dealing with sleep disorders. Uh, This will be up on Catch Up. Uh, As of Tuesday, you can go to 5fm.co.za, look for Extra Loud Mornings under Catch Up, and you'll be able to find it all there. You're listening to 5fm Extra Loud Mornings. Wake up. 7am to 10am. 5fm.